Good morning, everybody. Can I add my welcome to Andy's? It's, it's brilliant to have you with us, uh, particularly if this is your first time. We, we hope that you feel welcome here and very much at home uh, with all that we're doing at Riverside. Uh, as we begin, what I would love to do is to share a little video with you. This is an advert, uh, and I wonder if you agree or disagree with this advert. Let's see. <laughs> Shall we pray? No, no. <laughs> I guess that quite a few of us uh, might now wish we had a truck, uh, and uh, I guess a few other of us might wish we had a truck man. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, but it's an interesting video, isn't it? All about a particular vision of what a real man really is. And perhaps the reason it's quite a good advert is because it plays to our deepest insecurities and our greatest hopes. For all of us, we have so many of these preconceived ideas about so many different things, about gender. What is a real man? Imagine doing the video for real women. What would that look like? We have preconceived ideas about education, about health. Have you ever noticed how the phrase disability is defined by dis-able? We have preconceived ideas about looks, about money, on and on and on. Well, today, we're gonna confront some preconceived ideas about success. What is success? What is a successful man? What is a successful woman? How do we find it? How do we define it? You see, today we continue our series, Monday Means, all about what difference Jesus makes in our lives on a Monday. Not just when we gather together on Sundays or, or in small groups or, or, or in our community groups or whatever, but when we scatter throughout the weeks as well on our Mondays, on our Tuesdays, throughout the week. And today, what does the su success look like? How do we def define it? Because just like many of us want to be a real man, if we're honest, many of us, if not most of us, I guess, want to know that we're living our lives right. We would want to be successful however we define it. And some of us in our work context will have a clear idea of what success is because we're told in our appraisals, there are certain goals we're trying to achieve. Others of us won't have such a clear concept of success. Some of us aren't in paid employment, and so what does success look like to us? Some of us are full-time parents. What does that look like? Some of us are, are, are in student mode. What does success look like? Well, in the passage we've just had read, Jesus asks a question twice. And I think it's a question that we might well ask ourselves today because our answer to this question gives us a hint as to how we see success, how we might think our lives are successful. Here's the question. Teacher, they asked, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? And then to Bartimaeus, Jesus asks, what do you want me to do for you? How would you answer that question if Jesus asked you it? What do you want me to do for you? Because I wonder if our answer to that 
gives us a hint today of how we might define success. And in this passage, there are two contrasting visions of success. Two very different views of life. Two very different attitudes to success. I wonder which you hold. So vision number one might be defined, if you like, by this man. Jose Mourinho, who when he joined Chelsea Football Club in 2004, famous words in the press conference, I am the special one. So far in Mark's gospel, Jesus has been spending his whole time trying to introduce who he really is. Questions about who is this man that does these healings? Who is this man that speaks with such authority? Who is this man that can even calm the water and the waves? Who is he? And then halfway through in chapter eight, we have this amazing encounter where Jesus says to Peter, who do people say I am? And Peter said, well, some say you're, you're a prophet. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're Elijah. And then Jesus asks this question that cuts through everything, but who do you say I am? And Peter says, you're the Messiah. And at that moment, halfway through Mark's gospel, everything changes because now we know who he is. He's the Messiah. From that point on, Jesus then spends the rest of Mark's gospel showing what kind of Messiah this is. What is a successful Messiah? And in this passage that we've had for the third time, Jesus tells them that this kind of Messiah is a Messiah who will die, who will suffer. By the way, if you're here this morning and you're thinking, I'm not sure who this Jesus is, who do, who do I say he is? I want to suggest that is the most important question you will ever answer in your life. Who do you say Jesus is? Andy will explain Alpha a little bit later on. Please do think about coming on Alpha. It is a brilliant opportunity to explore that question. And so in this passage, after Jesus has said, I'm gonna suffer and die, then these two followers, two pe people in his elite team, two people that have been walking him with him for years, seeing everything he does, hearing everything he says, seeing his miracles, seeing the way he cares for people with tenderness and compassion, we have this amazing encounter. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee said, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. So you can imagine the wry smile on Jesus' face as he says, what is it you want me to do for you? And they reply with some shocking words, but if we're honest, words that we might echo in our hearts. Let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. This vision of success is characterized by three different things. Firstly, how they see themselves. Do you see that? Who's most important to James and John? They are. Let, let us sit right there, right at the top with you. Let me be at your left and me be at your right. They see themselves as being the most important. This vision of success, the special one, at its root puts my life first. As long as I get the achievements I dream of, as long as I do the things that I think I should, 
as long as I get the glory. It's about me. But how does this vision see Jesus? This our view of success? Well, look, he's a means to get what we want. Let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. They speak with praise. It's your glory, Jesus. It's about you. But ultimately, as long as I get what I want through you. And this vision of success, Jesus is a means to our ends. And so when things don't go how we would want, we begin to question Jesus. Because it's all ultimately about us. But how does this vision of success see other people? Well, we get a hint of this by their reaction. I noticed a little chuckle as Andy read this. Verse 41. When the 10 heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. You can imagine it, can't you? There's been this 12 elite team walking around with Jesus and then these two say, Jesus, can we be more special than these guys? No wonder they become indignant. And this view of success that is all about me and my achievements, well, everybody else becomes second to my status, second to my achievements, second as the word they use to my glory. And so, of course, to achieve our success, we begin to step on other people or step over other people because ultimately it's getting what we want. And so in a work context, we will push others beside as long as we get that opportunity, we get that promotion. And if we're a parent, it may be that for some of us, our children's educational results are actually how well we think we're doing as parents. It's ultimately all about us. Others are a means to us getting our achievements. Success is my status, my status over others. Failure or weakness is inconceivable. Jesus might feature in it, but ultimately he's the means to our end. I've been reading a book recently that has deeply challenged me and can I, if you're over the age of 30, I would commend this book to you. Uh, You'll see why when you get the book. a book called Sacred Fire by Ronald Rollheiser. And in it, he defines three journeys to being a follower of Jesus, three steps of discipleship, basic discipleship, mature discipleship, and radical discipleship. He says basic discipleship is basically reorienting our life towards Jesus. Uh, and for some of us when we're young that's what life involves looking like and all questions to do with what we do with our lives questions to do with sex questions to do with relationship about kind of reorienting our life in towards Jesus Uh, and then mature discipleship is kind of after that when we're oriented towards Jesus but mature discipleship is learning to give our lives away And that happens through circumstances, through responsibility in life when we take on more responsibility at work, more responsibility in the family, more responsibility at home. And then he takes the third step to radical discipleship. If mature discipleship is giving our lives away, radical discipleship, he says, is learning to give our deaths away. That it is no longer about us at all. It is about what we leave behind. 
And in it, he says these words, and I say this, I was challenged by this, and my hunch is a few of us may be challenged by this. Listen to these words. As we mature, pride will take on a seemingly noble face. We will begin to do the right things for seemingly the right reasons, but we're deceiving ourselves because in the end, we're still doing them in service to our own pride. Our motivation for generosity is often more inspired by the desire to feel good about ourselves than by real love of others. And he shares very honestly this example in his own life. For example, a number of times during my years of ministry, I've been tempted to move to the inner city to live among the poor as a sign of my commitment to social justice. It took a good friend to point out to me that at least in my case, such a move there would no doubt do a lot more for me than for the poor. My moving there would make me feel good, enhance my status among my colleagues, and would be a wonderful thing in my CV, but would not unless I would more radically change my life and ministry do much for the poor. Ultimately, it would serve my pride more than it would serve the poor. And I think James and John are a model for many of us, where Jesus is a means to us feeling good. One view of success. Contrast that view of success though with a different view of success. If success one was modeled by Jose Mourinho, I'm not saying he's like that, but you know what I mean, the special one. And being a Liverpool fan, how could I not say that model number two is characterized by this guy, the new Liverpool manager, Jurgen Klopp. Why do I use him as example? Because in a press conference this year, having signed as Liverpool's manager, he was asked about Jose Mourinho. If he's the special one, who are you? And he replied, I'm the normal one. I have no idea what his heart is or what his attitude is, but his response is insightful. I'm not special, I'm normal. Compare James and John to Bartimaeus, a man begging by the side of the road, a man desperate for wholeness, a man desperate for hope and for mercy in his own life. When Bartimaeus heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Have mercy. And so Jesus eventually sees him, gets to him. What do you want me to do for you? And Jesus asks him, and he simply replies, Rabbi, I want to see. I want to be whole. Compare the two visions of success. His vision, how does he view himself? He views himself with utter humility. He just needs mercy, he just needs help. How does he see Jesus? He sees Jesus as the only source of wholeness, the only source of rescue. Jesus, only you can do it, please have mercy on me. And how does he see other people? Well, we don't quite know, but what is obvious is he doesn't let other people get in the way of seeking wholeness in Christ. He doesn't let the praise of people telling him to shut up 
get in the way of wholeness in Christ. He, if he was so scared about what people thought of him, he would have shut up. But no, I need Jesus, I need Jesus. Help me, Lord. This vision of success is very aware of its frailty, very aware of his total dependency on Jesus, very aware for his need of wholeness rather than status or success. And do you notice the response at the end? Beautifully put. Go, said Jesus, your faith has healed you. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. Those last few words are powerful in the Gospel of Mark. Why? Because we know that now Jesus is on the road to Jerusalem. He is on the road to a sacrifice. He is on the road to suffering and even death. And in contrast with vision one, all about what I can achieve, here is vision two saying it's not about me. I'm going with Jesus, wherever that leads. I think of somebody in my home church where I grew up, Penny, a beautiful woman of God with severe disabilities from birth always sat on her own, needing lifts to get to church, kind of just nestling there and a few people chatting to her. And I remember growing up and kind of slightly when I had to walk past avoiding her because not sure what to say, she couldn't see me and wasn't sure how, it was a bit awkward. And as I grew up, as I matured, as I began to realize what an amazing woman of God she was, with with her frailty and weakness, served wholeheartedly the Jesus she loved. Witnessing to the carers who helped her day in, day out, with humility and grace, in the eyes of the world, not a successful person, in the eyes of the king above all kings, a definition of success. She knew she was frail, she knew she needed Jesus, but with all that she had, she simply followed. I said there was two visions of success, but there is a third vision, isn't there? You see, right in the middle of these two examples, we hear Jesus cutting right through our visions of success as he says these words, whoever wants to become great among you must be a servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the son of man didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. This third vision of success is one that Jesus wins for us. It may be that you're here this morning thinking, if I'm honest, I'm more with vision one. There are things I want to achieve in my life and if I'm honest, Jesus comes second to those things. The fact that Jesus stooped and washed his disciples' feet and ultimately went to the cross shows that there is grace for you if that is your vision of success. That this morning Jesus wants to lift that burden of needing to achieve from you. And if you're here this morning, you are humble, you know your frailty, 
and you look around a room like this and see such great saints, Jesus comes and stoops, lifts your chin up and says, you're my child. I gave all for you. Friends, true success means trusting in Jesus' sacrifice for our healing, for our wholeness, and then giving all we can, however frail, however fumbling that might be, with a life of sacrifice that Jesus modeled for us. And as I close, can I encourage you, whatever your Monday morning looks like, we all have an opportunity to live this. If tomorrow morning involves you going to a paid place of work, what does success look like if you view it through this lens? To go with humility, to go with frailty, to go trembling because you know you're not special, you're just normal who's loved with an abnormal love by the king above kings. If your tomorrow morning, your Monday morning means being a parent that is really difficult and you're struggling at the moment, with that frailty, with that weakness, modeling something of this self-sacrifice for your children is the greatest example of success you might ever give. If it involves being a carer for somebody, looking after for elderly parents, Jesus sees that model of self-sacrifice. If it involves being a student, going with your mates to study, what does it look like, success? It means being humble, weak, saying, Jesus, my wholeness is in you, not in my academic results. Whoever we are, success, looking at Jesus, changes everything. May we be a people who are modeled by this kind of success, the success that went ultimately to give his all for us. Can I invite you to stand? Please stand. I wonder if you felt that Jesus was putting his finger on something in your life this morning. My guess is for some of us, if we are honest, would say that our view of success is more about what I achieve, what I can do. Even if that means stepping over others, even if it means using Christ for our ends. Maybe then this stillness, you want to hear that word of grace from Jesus, saying there is no need. Forgiveness is here, hope is here, healing is here. Be free. And for others of us who know all too well our own failings and our own weakness and are simply crying, have mercy on me. Maybe this morning we, even now, will hear that, go, your faith has healed you.
Father, we pray even now, would you show us what success looks like for us in our lives, Lord God. Thank you, thank you that you gave your all for us. May we see that and then give our lives for others. And we pray this in Jesus' name.